Baldi's Four Seasons means that it's time once again for this week's Senior Moments program. The Four Seasons theme mirrors our lives, and hopefully we'll all have many, many more seasons to enjoy. We do this show on behalf of the Glen Cove Senior Center, and I have to say good morning, everyone. I'm Nina Held. And I'm Stuart Held. Senior Moments is here every third week of the month on Friday in the morning. Our WCWP podcasts, Senior Moments, can be heard once the show has been aired. Keep us on your calendar to tune in. Good morning, Nina. How are you today? Oh, thank you. I'm fine. How are you? Oh, we already drove here together. <laughs> yes. So and we Carolyn, already... <laughs> our producer, is here. Good so morning, good. everyone. Yeah. There yeah. she goes. You can at least listen to her voice. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so, today, we are going to speak with the director of a movie that will be shown in the Glen Cove Senior Center Thursday, March 21st at 5 p.m., the name of the movie is The Age of Love, and this, of course, refers to the keyword age. As we age, our hair gets grayer and grayer, things get lower and lower, <laughs> <laughs> drier and drier. <laughs> so we are starting to recognize this as the graying of America. So The Age of Love is a documentary that follows the humorous and poignant adventures of 30 seniors who sign up for a real-life speed dating event. You heard that right. Yes, speed dating event for 70 to 90-year-olds in Rochester, New York. As they move from anxious anticipation to the event itself and then out on dates that result... Each is spurred to take stock of a life-worn body, yet still hopeful heart, providing an intimate look into how the search for love and companionship changes, or doesn't change, over a lifetime. As we get to know these seniors as emotionally intricate individuals, the film dispels ageist stereotypes, reveals how our emotional needs endure, and presents an unexpected story of new connection and growth at any age. I can't wait for this conversation today. But first, it's now time for our Wacky, wacky Word of the week. week. Today's Wacky Word is unctuous. It's one of those words that mean what it sounds like, kind of. It is an adjective and means fatty, oily, Smooth and greasy in texture or appearance. <laughs> Plastic. This is a good one. Insincerely smooth in speech and manner. Here's the origin. Nowadays, unctuous usually has a negative connotation, but it originated as a term describing, describing an act of healing. The word comes from the Latin verb, unguere, un, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing this right, unguere, to anoint, a root that also gave rise to the words unguent, which is a soothing or healing salve, and ointment. The oily nature of ointments may have led to the application of unctuous to describe things marked by an artificial gloss of sentimentality. An unctuous individual's insecure earnestness can leave an unwelcome residue, much like some ointments. Yuck! <laughs> Not an easy word to use in everyday conversation, I think. <laughs> Unctious was today's wacky, wacky word of the week. week. Every week we try to come up with a joke or fact or idiom that we want to share with you. It is now time for our... Did you know? When, it when you think about it, English is a very hard language to learn and to understand. Especially if you come from another country speaking a language other than English. When you have words that are spelled exactly the same way, but may have two or more meanings, that's called a homograph. Hmm. Again, that means words of like spelling, but with more than one meaning. A retired English teacher compiled lists of homograph words. Here is a taste of several. The farm was used to produce produce. Spelt exactly the same way right. two times. How about this one? The dump was so full 
that it had to refuse more refuse. There we are. <laughs> uh, here's one right on the mark. He could lead if he would only get the lead out. <laughs> and it's spelt L-E-A-D. How about this one? Since there is no time like the present, he thought it was time to present the present. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. When shot at, the dove dove into the bushes. Yeah, dove and dug. I mean, that, that's, uh, it, it, that applauds me. <laughs> Here's a simple one. I do not object to the object. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, it really does make you think. Honest to goodness. These were fun. <laughs> Examples of homographics were today's. Did you know? And now to introduce our guest. Now, actually, before we introduce the director of the Age of Love film, we want everyone to know that the film will be shown in the Senior Center on Thursday, March 21st of this year. Between the hours of 5 p.m. to 6 p.m., hors d'oeuvres will be served. Then the film will be shown from 6 to 7.30 p.m. And finally, a Q&A with the director, Stephen Loring, immediately after the movie. The Age of Love film showing is a big and meaningful event for the Glencove Senior Center. So please make your reservation as early as possible so you aren't shut out. Oh, and by the way, it is free. Okay, Mr. Stephen Loring is a screenwriter, producer, and documentary filmmaker. He received his MFA, which is Master of Fine Arts, in 2012 in social documentary filmmaking from the School of Visual Arts in New York City, focusing on films that examine the cultural and interior lives of overlooked populations. His short film, Shacharit, A Morning Prayer, won multiple awards at festivals in the U.S. and Europe. Recently, he was archival researcher for Marshall Curry's Academy Award-nominated documentary, If a Tree Falls. As a screenwriter, Loring wrote eight movies of the week for NBC, CBS, and Lifetime, including The Other Mother with Francis Fisher and No One Would Tell with Fred Savage. A graduate of Wesleyan University with degrees in organic chemistry and theater, he's also performed off-Broadway and in films. The Age of Love is his first documentary feature. Stephen Loring, welcome to Senior Moments. Thank you. It's, uh, I'm really happy to be here. Well, we are so happy to have you. You have such a diverse background. Yes, from organic chemistry... Yeah. Yeah, organic chemistry and theater. That is, like, really interesting. <laughs> well, it goes deeper than that. I was also a public relations executive, and I was a uh, developer uh, for uh, corporate websites. And, I mean, I've been... I've been around the block a bit, I guess. Uh, Me or mine. A, reson a, re a resonance. A, re <laughs> a renaissance man. Wow, that is, that's quite something. Uh, <laughs> I know or orgo, as they call it, is so difficult that it has brought down many, many uh, a medical student. Or, or or desirous of being a medical student, I should say. Tell me about your performing in off-Broadway shows and in films. Oh, gosh. Uh, you're looking so far back. It's interesting when I hear you talk about that. I, I think about how, in retrospect, a life kind of becomes a story. You know, when you're doing it and moving from one thing to another, you don't really think about, like, what's next or why am I doing this? But in retrospect, you kind of see a pattern in things. And... I, I just, when you mentioned organic chemistry, I remember back when I was applying to college, I thought, how cool. This, and this was, I mean, 30 years more yeah. or more when there was no brain science the way there is today. And I was always fascinated for some reason by the way our brains created emotion, how something inside us chemically would then make us want to reach out and connect with other people and find love. Like, what is love? Like, could you create that? Can you make love in a test tube? I didn't know, but it always seemed really fascinating to me. And I actually became a chemist and worked for a, a short period of time and just hated 
being alone in the mm, lab. It wasn't yeah. my thing when I was, I mean, my, my goal was to study connection, but here I was alone in a lab and looking forward to a life pretty isolated. So I went with my other college major, which was theater, and moved to New York to become an actor and thought, what better way to study connection and emotion mm-hmm. than out in the world, in the real laboratory, where people study relationships and drama in, in that kind of a field. And um, I mean, that lasted for quite a few years, but again, there was, you know, it's a, it's a tough business, and it doesn't really matter how, how long you work if you're not necessarily the the right look at the right time and i transitioned into public relations which gave me a chance to look at connection and storytelling from a business perspective i think um so one thing after another it leads me and then here i am i don't know all all these years later making a movie about love and connection when we're older so there's a interesting pattern there i i have to think that through a little bit more i guess well i i i more fascinated then is what gave you the idea to make the movie in the first place for the age of love oh gosh well i mean i was when i was writing movies for television uh, the nbc monday night the movies type thing things were very derivative they were all very uh, prescribed by advertisers needs and when i got out of that world and i went back to film school to make my own films i thought you know this is a chance to do something that is meaningful to me. And I looked around in my world to kind of come up with a topic. And, well, two, two things happened, I should say, at that point in my life. One was my dad died. Mm. And my mom was in her early 70s. And, I mean, I can remember sitting there at the kitchen table with her. I mean, the good son taking care of the paperwork and the insurance forms. And she was sitting there with a cup of tea, and she suddenly said to me, so who's ever going to hug me again in the rest of my mm. life? She said, is that it? Mm. Like every day of my life, I've been part of a, of a team. Of a, they've been married 50 years when my dad passed away. And she said, and suddenly like today, I'm just another old lady in the world all by myself. And how could it be over that quickly? You know, who I am is, is so profoundly different now alone. Well, you get, you're, Steve, you're giving me chills. You're giving me chills because a lot of what you're saying, I really, really empathize with. Getting back to our previous conversation about how everything you do in your life uh, might be odd bits and pieces here and there, but eventually they kind of all come together and they weave a narrative that – and this is in a way – why, how, and why Stu and I are so happily involved with doing this show. Because we, too, have had a background where, like you, well, we did this, we did that, we did the other thing, and it all came to this. But uh, I tell you, I want to cry when I hear what your mother had to say. It well, is so... If, if I could just add the other side, yeah. and maybe it'll take away a couple of the tears, that the same yeah. spring... I had a 78-year-old uncle who had never had children or married or even been on a date as far as anybody in the family knew, and I was pretty much the closest family member to him. So it, he was approaching 80, and he was having trouble living alone by himself and taking care of his house, and he moved into a, a continuing care, a senior residential community. And within about six weeks, he met Evelyn, who was mm-hmm. 80, and for the first time in his life, he embarked on a full-out, head-over-heels love affair. Like, really? the bedroom door was locked, and he what? was really going at it. And here I'm thinking, like, how is that possible that somebody who has never experienced that and never even you know, shown the desire for it in eight decades still has the capacity to go out and fall in love that way? And I thought, here's all these people in my own life who are dealing at that age with emotional things when yeah. society says it's all about, you know, healthcare and digestive aids and mm. like how can I bring that story out in a wider to a wider audience and let because there has to be a lot of people we're aging society as you pointed out yeah. is aging these can't be the only people who are dealing with issues of the heart at that age so that, that yeah. all came together for me and that it, it led me to this film wow 
Wow. It shows you the mind never forgets. Well, <laughs> yes, it, it's your, you're operating on all your synapses are firing <laughs> away, I tell you. That was, that's very interesting, Stephen, and I, you know, we look forward to continuing this. Did you have something? You're looking at me like you want to say something. Mm, yeah, I, I, could, <laughs> I could pass on what I want to say. <laughs> uh, the, the thing that really gets me is to be a filmmaker and a director the way you are at this point, uh, what give you the credentials to be a, a director of a film that could, that's going to go an hour and a half? A full documentary. Well, you you grab the credentials, I yeah. guess. I don't know. Uh, nobody came to me, and it, it. I guess a creative life is is just a journey, and you follow your passions, and you see where it goes. When I left Hollywood, I was I mentioned I was kind of down on the topics. Everything was either a sequel or based on a inspired by a story that somebody else thought would sell, you know, products and the commercial breaks and. I wanted to just do something that followed my own passions. I mean, you get older and you want to make a mark in the world and change the world in yeah. a positive way. So I didn't have credentials to make a film, and so mm -hmm. I went back to school. I went yeah. to, uh, yeah. I got an MFA in filmmaking. I learned how to shoot, how to edit, how to record sound. It was a, you know, something I just threw myself into because I was ready to do that, and I needed, I needed the the experience and the knowledge to do it. So, um, and, and the money. You can't make a film without money. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. It always comes down to business. <laughs> you know, it, it's a different world in filmmaking, yeah. too. I don't know how you know familiar you are with current technology, but in the old days, you needed, you know, truck size equipment and steady cams and film, you know, the, and cinematographers and sound people. There's films in the movie theater today, like Steven Soderbergh had a film out a couple years ago that he shot with his iPhone, and it was That's right. released I in... I remember that. Yeah, we're sure, we're going to a break right now. Uh, Senior Moments will be right back with today's guest, Stephen Loring, in a few moments. This is Senior Moments on 88.1 FM and WCWP.org. Senior Moments with Stu and Nina is back with director-producer Stephen Loring talking about his first full-length feature film, The Age of Love. We now understand why you made the movie. I mean, I hope we understand at this point. I'm, we're going to have to ask this, Stephen, how were you going to finance it? I mean, doesn't it take almost a small city to make a film of about an hour and 30 minutes? Well, it, it, it's a different world out there in filmmaking now. Um, you know, the, the equipment is a lot less expensive. I, I, one interesting thing that question brings up is that a lot of films need a crew. You, know, you need to have a, a, a cinematographer. You need to have sound people. You need to have assistants on the set. Um, this film was looking into the hearts and emotions of older adults who really hadn't spoken, I assumed, about that publicly, you know, at this point in their life. And I felt like bringing a crew into a situation when I had to move fast, get a lot of, uh, you know, really interesting information from people, a lot of heartfelt information would be kind of counterproductive to have a, a swarm of people yeah, around exactly. them. Exactly. Yeah. So I actually decided, and it saved me some budget, I'm sure, to film both direct as well as film and do the sound myself. So it was basically just me one-on-one -on -one with the, each of the speed yeah. daters in the film you talking war, about their lives. You were a war correspondent. <laughs> well, I felt kind of like if they were going to open up, it was going to be, yeah. and they had to do it quickly, it was going to be easier if they saw me as a friend and a yeah. confidant sure, and if sure. they saw me as someone with a list of prepared questions, you know, spouting out. You know, with people buzzing around. So. Right, right. No intimacy. That intimate for sure. Yeah. And become their friend, become friends with people in some way. You know, keeping the documentary distance, but still letting them feel like I'm there to really listen to them. Right, right. 
What did you yeah. observe when you were into Rochester and you first saw a speed dating for seniors? It sounds so different and unusual. Well, I, I actually didn't go and see it until I filmed it. I mean, this was a first-of-its-kind event, so I was on the journey along with everybody else. Ah. And I just had to film it as, as it happened. I mean, what, what happened is that the organizers gave me a list of the 15 men and 15 women. I mean, I should mention, if it isn't clear already, this was a real event. This was uh, set up without any knowledge on anybody's part that there would be a filmmaker present oh. or a film being made. Uh -huh. So I didn't cast it. The people who are in it are just real people who decided to take a chance on some newfangled dating event and try to find a connection. So um, when I... You know, I, there had been a handful of events around the country, and I talked to their organizers. But when I came there, I, you know, I felt through the process along with everybody else. It was about two, three weeks in advance of the speed dating event, and the people were very uh, eager. They were, oh, well, some people I should say were a little bit like, well, it's just a lark. It's something to do for fun, you know. And they were a little dismissive of it, or you know, everybody had their own reason for signing up, but I could see as we got closer to the actual event, the people were taking it, you know, a lot more seriously than they let on. I yeah. mean, so the, I would go to film one of the women, I recall, and she would, she said to me at one uh, visit, like, before we start filming today, can you come in my bedroom and look at these three outfits I laid out? Oh. Like, what you think I should wear that the men would like the most? Oh. <laughs> you know, you could see that there was a, a sense of growing anticipation. Yeah. And when it got to the actual event, I mean, I was there filming, but watching it, I could see it was almost felt like the hormones in the room were walking into a senior prom in high school. Oh, my. Because people were dressed and, like, and quaffed and uh, perfumed, and everybody, you know, had a sense of, hopeful anticipation around them that you wouldn't expect you expect more from teenagers than you might from older adults at yeah. least according to the way the society looks at them true true you used the word i was going to say the hope you give them hope this gives them hope oh it gives them a reason to get out of bed in the morning and get dressed up yeah well it, I, I think empowerment is really the yeah. key to this whole project it wasn't you know, it's, it, I came from a world where reality TV was kind of uh, growing in prevalence. And this is a documentary. I mean, this isn't about, like, everybody gets a hot date. Right. But it's about <laughs> right. once, once you go to this event and you say, you know, wow, sitting across the table from someone and opening myself up. I haven't done that in 40 or 50 years. Yeah. I can yeah. do that. I can still wow. do it. And it still feels good. That yeah. was, I think, the big takeaway. Um, yeah, yeah. How oh, many people were involved? Well, there were 15 men and 15 women. So uh -huh. it was... Uh, um, okay, that leads me into a question. Usually men are at a premium. Usually mm -hmm. it's we're overloaded on the female side. But here you had 15 men, 15 women. What do you do when you don't have the exact number? Or, actually, in addition, I mean, let us say, why does it have to be male and female? Why can't it be female and female or male and male? Well, there's a lot of good questions there, actually. Um, there certainly are more, I mean, first of all, there probably are somewhat more women than men in that age range around yeah. who are single, at least. And I think also in that particular generation, when I filmed this, um, you know, people in their late 70s or 80s were pretty much the World War II, the greatest generation right. of people. They grew up in a in a different era than baby boomers. It was like one home, one marriage, one career. Yeah. It wasn't like I'll try 50 things in my life. So, you know, I think the men in that era probably are a little less likely to respond to an, an ad for a you know, a speed dating event. Their wives often, if they were married, set up their social engagements for of them. Course. And they probably weren't as emotionally out there as, as people were when they grew up in the 60s or 70s. Right. Or so, you know, it's, it's a, sometimes it is difficult for events. And I'll, we'll talk about this later if you'd like, but I've been setting up events as the movie rolls out around the world. 
and I've been involved with quite a few of them. It often is harder to find enough men for a, a like a straight a heterosexual event. At first, um, the event in the film, I think 80 women signed up the first day it was announced, and I think five or four or five men. Um, but you know, over the period of registration, as there were more stories about it and people talked about it, enough men signed up, uh, and we just cut it off. You know, as soon as 50, the first yeah. 15 women and the first 15 men. But there have been events for LGBT communities. Uh-huh. There have been events in other countries. I mean, in India, where a lot of the people had arranged marriages. Right. I mean, never even knew what dating was. So as kind of the concept spreads out, you know, I see a lot of variations. And it, you know, certainly the first step of any speed dating event is making a friend. And yeah. it's not like the movie is about speed dating, but the message isn't like, go have a wild affair, or go, uh, <laughs> right. go replace right. a lost spouse. It's take a chance and go out and just open yourself up to another human being. So it doesn't really necessarily have to be you know, equal men and women to work. Yeah, true. So, okay, I understand that. So how does it work? I mean, you've now done this, I gather, a number of times. Uh, how does it? How does a speed dating night night go? Well, uh, there. Are, in in this case, I'll I'll use the typical situation uh, where you have men and women. You try to get an equal number, and if there's fifteen men and fifteen women, you have fifteen small tables. Uh, each man has a and woman has a name tag with their first name and a number on it. The women, each woman sits at a table, and each man sits at a table across from a woman. A bell rings. You have five minutes to chat. Bell rings again. You mark down on your scorecard either interested or not interested, just one or the other, and then you move. The men get up and move to the next table. So this happens 15 times, and at the end of the evening, at the end of a couple of hours, each man has met each woman, and each person has marked either interested or not interested. Then the organizers gather the scorecards and make a chart, and everyone who said interested uh, mutually, you know, there's a man uh, yes. interested in the woman yeah. and the woman's interested in the man, they get a result letter giving them the contact information, which ah. actually they weren't allowed to um, exchange at the actual event. Uh-huh. Then it's up to them to go yes. there and see what they want to do next. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, now, fascinating. You, you've now yeah. prepared kits or something that, that you distribute on these, is that correct? Well, you know... Uh, Yes, I mean I I'm a social documentary filmmaker now, and we want I want a movie not just to be well, like you had mentioned Netflix, like well I saw that let's go you know have you know have a drink or uh, let's leave the theater that was funny, but what can it do to actually spur people or spur society to change? And I wanted to start a movement, not just release a film. And so um, one of the things I did was to create, I had a, got a grant from an organization called the Fledgling Fund to create a speed dating, speed friendship event kit. <laughs> and it has all the information, an organizational guide, and it has all the materials, scorecards, registration material, brochures, things that you'll need. Uh, and I make it available for free to any group or community like the Glen Cove Senior Center that screens the film. And then people can, after they watch it, they go, wow, but they had fun. What do we do? They can do it, too. And I've, uh, out of, I mean, we've had about 560 screenings so far, and I think Mm. about 210 communities have gone ahead and gotten the speed dating kit, and uh, some of them have had multiple events. Uh, I I know so far of three marriages that have come out of it. There may be more. I don't follow them all. How exciting. My goodness. We've got to take a little little break here, a musical break, because we have the right song for for this spot. I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor. Then I spent so many nights thinking how you did me wrong And I grew strong And I learned how to get along And so you're back from out of space 
that tells you right off the bat, I'll survive. Yeah, I know. But, uh, Stephen, I have to ask you something. (laughs) I know most, and this happens when we go out with other, with couples, and most most of the time they're the older couples. (laughs) Ah, The topic always ends up on health issues. Now, really, how do you avoid or how do they avoid speaking about, well, I just had a hip replacement, well, my knees are shot, uh, blah, 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 you know? Well, by having other things to talk about, I guess. I, I don't know. It's, uh, I'm not in that age group yet. I mean, How lucky to you. <laughs> yes. I mean, I have to say... I filmed each of the speed daters in my film uh, individually for anywhere from three to ten hours each. And in that time, all these people in their 70s and 80s talked about their hopes and dreams, Dreams. their emotional lives, their trips, their goals, their plans, their... uh, I mean, they, they would mention if they had some sort of a health issue, you know, one of the people, one of the speed daters actually has an oxygen tank he has to carry around. Oh, and he yeah. said, if a woman asked me, you know, why I have a hearing aid so I can hear you better, why right. am I wearing oxygen so I can breathe? Exactly. I mean, he was very pragmatic about it. Right. Um, but, you know, I think when you're sharing stories, everybody gets involved in it and they start talking about their own issues, but it isn't it isn't. It, no, I know it's not primarily those things, but uh, we, change the topic. Yeah, talk about something you know more creative or interesting exactly. and see where it goes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe we are. Maybe we're having dinner with the wrong people. Well, <laughs> there you the go. older couples. <laughs> yeah. If, if you talk about love and companionship and so on, it's kind of a, a taboo issue. Well, with oh, it depends on the generation yes. again. But it, again, you're dealing with up to ninety-year-olds. So yeah. I think a lot of the the people in the film certainly, I mean, one thing that was common that I heard from almost everybody is in terms of who we are emotionally at this point, we're invisible in the world. I mean, we're overlooked, we're undervalued. I mean, if if people look at us and they, you know, they ask about our health because they figure we're at a point in life where that's all we do think about and talk about. And so... um, yeah, it's it's kind of it, there's interesting. I just popped into my head. There was a there's a woman Ashton Applewhite who is kind of a maybe you've heard of her. She's written an amazing book and she talks about ageism and aging. And she said that in life we have definitions of different ages. When you're in your teens and twenties, you're a student. You're a, you're learning about the world. You're learning about yourself. When you're in your thirties. You're a young parent. You're starting a family. You're you're buying a house. You're developing a a family uh, unit. When you're in your 40s or 50s, you're reaching your prime in the in the in the world in business. You're making a difference. You're uh, making deals and doing things that will that will affect the wider world. And then you reach a point where you're like over 60, 65. And she said it's just basically the land of old. It's like nobody has defined what that is. And, you know, we as, as the world gets older, I mean, in 1950 was the average uh, oh, life expectancy. That's 100 right. years yeah. later, you know, it's twice that. So what do we do? How do we look at aging now differently? And how do we keep looking at it the same? And how can we change that yeah, is a big yeah. question. That's Senior right, Moments will be... will be right back with director-producer Stephen Lauren. In a few moments, this is Senior Moments on 88.1 FM and WCWP.org. Senior Moments with Nina and Stu is back, and we are speaking with Director producer Stephen Loring, who has done the film The Age of Love. Again, since many in our audience are seniors, I repeat, the movie The Age of Love will be played in the Senior Center Thursday, March 21st at 5 p.m. Make a reservation now, because this is a program you do not want to miss. Here, here. Now, we (laughs) were just uh, in the last segment... um, saying the uh, how 50 used to be really the 
end of life. This was at the turn of the century. People did not really live longer than that. Nowadays, of course, my grandparents died in their sixties, and they were old people. Because I remember them; they were really old people. Now we were in our sixties twenty years ago, and we still don't even consider ourselves old people. When we moved to Maryland, Stephen Stu, (laughs) Stu and I were basically in our very early, early fifties, so we were young. So, and we were. I was uh, driving my guest guzzler car. And I had to stop at a gas station somewhere in the outskirts, skirts, skirts, of Maryland, and um, an old, and, and, a, a really an old, old guy. guy. I mean, he really looked like his last legs. A geezer. Uh, he, he, <laughs> and he was really to the point that I felt sorry almost, but I wanted to carry the pump the, <laughs> to, to the to the car myself. And he said. Uh, he got, we got into a conversation, and he said to me, well, how old are you? I said, at the time, I was about 54. And he said, oh, it's, it's so downhill from there. <laughs> and and I said, well, how old are you? And he says, 61. Oh, and he, yeah. Uh, and he, he looked, looked like he was on his last night. He legs. looked like he was 90. That's right. Well, you know, this was rural Maryland. He was a farmer outdoors, et cetera. No taking, Yeah, yeah. So, um, where are we here? We left you at at the point where we wanted to stress the fact yeah, well, that... Why didn't you want to bring this to the Netflixes and the Amazons? Oh, the, all the streaming and services. all those streaming yeah, services right. to really get this uh, around uh, instead of doing it individually. Now, I understand that you've traveled extensively doing this individually. Well, it's a, it was a decision, certainly, uh, if you're looking to, you know, make a few bucks and move on, you can give your film, if it's, you know, a good quality film, to a streaming service. But I did actually get an offer to open it in movie theaters, like uh, in 70 cities around the country for limited mm-hmm. funds. But, you know, you have to hand over all the rights. Then the film is no longer yours. and. It could oh, go in like theater yeah. number fourteen of the multiplex for four days, and you know everybody goes to see Transformers and the movie star films. And I thought it could get just lost. And it was such a passion project for me. I thought, why don't I see about? I mean, in, in this day and age, we can distribute films ourselves. You don't need studios. You don't need big companies to do it because there are opportunities uh, online that I can access as well as taking it out into the world, as I mentioned before, to start a movement, not just have it be a film that you can click on Netflix and watch and then move on, but something that is the starts a conversation yes, in communities. Yes, I understand. And so what I've done is I take it around. I mean, I've been everywhere from Moscow to Sao Paulo, Brazil, to London. We've screened in Singapore wow. and New Zealand and Italy. And I found that it's, it's, exciting to watch um, the media like this program right now take hold of it and to start a conversation the wider community can then take up and it just something as I was listening to your story about the, the guy in Maryland um, one thing I think this film has going for it is that it's a movie about aging but it's also a movie about love and our hearts and it's very, you had said when the segment began, I just jotted down, since many of our listeners are seniors, come see the film. Well, I'd like to invite everybody in any generation to come see right. the film because it is about love. And there isn't any age where we don't understand what it is to seek to share ourselves, to be understood, to understand another person. And I think love is one way into defeating ageist stereotypes mm-hmm. because when we've screened it as we have in, in many schools even in high schools with say a senior center and a local like a 11th grade social studies class and they watch it and discuss it together it's unbelievable to see a 16 year old listen to an 80 year old talk yeah. about her dating life and say oh my god i know exactly what you're feeling it doesn't happen that much in life. Right. And so this is kind of a, a way baby boomers watch the movie and they go like, you know, I've never thought about it. I could be alone, you know, for 30 years in my life and what would I do? 
Um, teenagers say, I'll never look at my grandmother the same way I was again. just going to say that. <laughs> yes, it gives them the opportunity to, to peek inside what makes their grandparents tick. And to feel a kinship between it, because I don't think there's anyone in the film who didn't tell me while I was filming at some point, Inside, I'm still 25 yes, years old. Yes, of course. I look in the mirror. I ask, who's this old man? Where did I go? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I Sure. I mean, I'm sure one of your grandparents said that, you know, I I, pass, I think I'm 18 years old, and then I pass a mirror and right. take a look. I'm stunned. Like, who is that old lady? Who? Wait a minute. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. So, so I think, you know, I would invite, anybody of any age certainly if even if you're older bring your child you know bring your children or grandchildren see it together ask encourage people to ask their family members what are you feeling don't yeah. let them feel invisible in terms of their you know think it's just about your hip it's not there's more going on in people's hearts that we just don't talk enough about that's true that's that's very true that's so true mm -hmm. and seniors are men as you say, are ignored. In, ignored. We become and invisible. Definitely uh, invisible. I've experienced that myself. Yeah. And it's hard. And you, that's hard for me. <laughs> yeah, you're such a big guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Uh, Stephen, any interesting stories you want to share with us about uh, your uh, adventures into this part of the world? With oh gosh, more stories. More well, stories. Think, I'd love. Uh, yeah. Well, one quick thing I could mention has always interested me is when I started the film, I wrote on a big piece of paper and put it up over my desk. How does love, the experience of love, the search for love, how does it does it change over our lifetime? And if it does, how? And yeah. I was curious about that because I watched my mom struggle and my uncle, his great joy in finding it, and I think you know one one thing. I learned is that when we're young, love, you know, I should say society kind of says you're beyond that at some point. Or mm. when they see two people who are 80 meet and start a relationship, they go, oh, isn't that cute? You know, oh, isn't that adorable? Know. Yeah. And it seems like they talk about, well, it's not love, it's companionship, as if it's kind of a, like a deprecated or a, a lower version of what young people feel. But I've kind of sensed from talking to a lot of people now that when you're young, you're looking for, you know, there's so much piled on top of love. There's the looks and the career mm. and the plans for a, a home and where you want to live and the person's car and, the, you know, there's, there's all these life things that get piled on top, you know, and then when you're older and career is no longer important and where you're going to live is no longer an issue and how you're going to raise children, I mean, all those things are gone. There's still the need to be seen and understood and valued by another human being. Mm. And to sit, like my mother said, just sharing a meal, just watching a program or talking about something in the news, you don't realize how much that validates you. You know, as I said early in the program, that connection is necessary. Mm. So I think love in some ways, the essence of love is the same throughout our lives. And once it's stripped away, all the, the practical matters of finding a mate and how you're going to live your life and the weddings and the romance yeah. and the flowers, once that's gone, it's still it's just as intense as ever, the need to just feel connected. That was just the yeah, connection, sure. Yeah. You know, people, especially, uh, I guess, young, the younger generation, uh, it's all about uh, passion sex, hot blood, etc. And when... And uh, everybody's working today. Mm -hmm. My husband and wife are working where the wife used to stay at home and take care of the kids. Everybody's out there in the world Grabbing, working. grabbing, grabbing. That's right. Ah, yes. But you know when you're older and you know what you want. A lot of people like joke, they say speed dating like for yeah, older right. people. It's like, what? that's a joke. How can they do anything fast? But in some ways... The idea of dating now is pretty cool because people know what they want. They're not going to settle anymore for the guy with the cool car that, you know, their friends. They, they have a sense. I mean, everybody isn't that super evolved, but most people 
take even longer when they're older, I think, to find a, a per- person because they know what they can, what will satisfy them and what will make yeah. them happy. And they're not just taking a wild shot into like a, into something that they don't understand. They understand themselves better. Oh, well, yes. Love can be even deeper in a yeah. lot of ways. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, I tell you, you are doing some... Um, let, uh, I, the only word that comes to me, of course, is because of my background. You are doing some mitzvah, Steve. <laughs> you really... <laughs> uh, I think it is absolutely awesome. Awesome, and um, we're going to be there, so we, at least we will be able to meet you face-to-face. I don't know if the audience realizes that you are not in the studio with us. You're on the phone, actually. I am. Yes. In Brooklyn. Far away in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yes, our old stomping grounds. Sure. Good old Brooklyn. Can I just mention, too, that Please. people can find information. If they're curious about the film, there's a ton of information on our website. Yes. Um, certainly the trailer, you know, we, you can watch the trailer, which is funny and touching and very informative. Um, it's if I can just give the address. Please, please do. Please do, it, do. Yeah. do it and, and repeat it. it. Yes. Well, the movie is called The the Age of Love, and the website is theageoflovemovie.com. Theageoflovemovie.com. Ah, the right. And don't forget the at the beginning, theageoflovemovie.com. And uh, also our Facebook page is um, The Age of Love Movie. Oh, the Age of Love movie. So we're on Facebook as well. And Twitter and all the important things. No Instagram, I have to admit. No Instagram. (laughs) I don't even, Twitter, forget it. I don't even, don't talk about Twitter. (laughs) Twitter has a bad rap in my book. Yes, especially. (laughs) Don't go there. Oh, my. Okay. Um, and uh, email uh, to contact you at all? You um, well, you'll find all sorts of contact information on the website, probably easiest uh, to do it that way. We have, okay. If uh, you're involved with a group uh, who'd like to set up a community screening or if you'd like more information about the film and where we'll be or to get involved in a speed dating event, um, I mean, I'm not setting up speed dating events personally, but there are communities that are doing it all mm-hmm. over the do, place. Do you show the movie and then do a speed dating event? Well, I, I recommend, as I did uh, to Carol and Glen Cove, that yeah. you showing the film is a way to start the conversation. It's a way to demystify. Like you asked me, what is speed dating? A yeah. lot of people may not know. So seeing the movie is kind of the opening to uh, a larger involvement. And then if people say, how can we do this? You're ready to move ahead and do an event uh, on your own. Some communities have also uh, followed up the film with uh, you know, forums on, or, or discussion groups on intimacy, on dating. Mm-hmm. On, there's all different ways of taking the conversation to the next step. So the film kind of kicks that off because it's funny, it's engaging, it's different. You know, people will go, "Wow, my grandmother's speed dating. I'll go see that." So <laughs> it's not a it's not a technical film. It's a very first person, hilarious and yet poignant film. That's yeah. Oh, that reveals voices of people we don't usually hear from. You know, who whoever asks older people, you know, what what they're feeling about love and intimacy so you'll get a chance to hear that you know firsthand and that'll open the gates hopefully yes yes i certainly hope so Stephen. i i tell you uh, we're so grateful that you gave of your time to be with us this morning it was it, absolutely so informative and of course we are going to look forward to seeing you and seeing your film uh at the senior center uh, Dan Cox, we thank you very much for being our wonderful engineer, and Carol, and of course for being our producer. So thank you all. And, and uh, we're not going to say goodbye to Steve because we're going to see him on March 21st. March 21st, exactly. At five o'clock. Yes, yes. So well, there we are. But I think you really actually, uh, I would love to do this because there's a perfect song here, Taking a Chance on Love. I mean, it fits that, right into that. And that happens that. to be the theme song of Steve's movie. It oh, it is, does. It's actually oh. the song that we play over the credits of our movie, yes. And Good. I, I actually had a, oh, we're playing it. I'll tell this story later. Okay, <laughs> oh, okay. just keep going. Now, tell the story. Tell the story. 
Well, well yeah. when I, I was looking to use this song, and a friend of mine knew a singer uh, named was Sarah McLawler, who made her stage debut in 1946, <gasps> and still sings. She's a very well-known blues, jazz uh, really? singer. Yeah. And she came into the studio to re-record this film just for the movie. Uh, and it, at 90 years old, and she really rocks it. So wow, great. That come well, the we movie. have our great, son by great. We have Oz done by Benny Goodman. So. A friend of Sarah's. <laughs> a friend of Sarah's, he says. Oh. A friend of Sarah's. Perfect. Thank you again, Steve. We'll see you in March. See you then. Here I go again I hear those trumpets blow again All aglow again Taking a chance to take that ride again Starry-eyed again Taking a chance on love I thought the cards were a frame-up I never would try But now I'm taking the game up And the ace of hearts is This is Senior Moments on 88.1 FM and WCWP.org. This is Nina and Stuart Held saying, before Senior Moments signs off for today, please remember... Youth is a gift of nature, but age is a work of art. The Glencoe Senior Center's website is one word, GlencoeSeniorCenter.com. Now, if you liked our show today and want to hear previous episodes, please subscribe to our podcast, Senior Moments, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. See you on the radio next time. (laughs) 